Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of gospel reflection, a ministry of stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Hello and welcome to Reflections from the Heart. My name is Rob Longo from Stewardship and Mission of Faith. I'm joined today by Tom Terrace, Tom DeAngelis, and Hannah Woodward, also from Stewardship. How are you guys doing? Great, hey, Rob. Good to meet Thanks. you. All right. I hope everybody out there listening is having a good Lent. And uh, what a great way to spend some time during Lent, uh, breaking, open, breaking open the Word. So for those of you who have been with us before, you understand uh, what we do. For those of you who are new, it's a gospel reflection. So for the gospel we will, we will hear this Sunday, we're going to read that and prayerfully reflect upon it and just share uh, what God put on our hearts. Uh, but before we do that, Tom, Tom D., if you can open us up with a prayer, that'd be great. Sure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you to send your Spirit on us as we reflect and uh, read and reflect on your Word. Help us to remember that your Word is not just ink on paper, it's not just the words on the page, but it's it's your Son, uh, the person of Jesus, who works in our life. Help us to be inspired by his Spirit, by your Spirit to reflect on these words and carry them out into our life um, this week and the weeks after. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And we, uh, we have a, a prayer book called Stewardship of Prayer, My Daily Catholic Prayer. So we had asked Hannah before the show to, to pick a prayer from there, and she picked the divine praises. So when you hear this prayer, don't think that it's over, because a lot of times yeah. we hear this at the end of, of benediction, uh, so we're, we're using this as part of our opening. But Tom, before Hannah leads us in the divine praises, um, this Saturday, something special is going on. Tomorrow, something special is going on in, uh, in our diocese. What, what's, That's what's right. Happening? The diocese of Harrisburg Men's Conference. Uh, doors open at 7.30. Registration is from 7.30 to 8.30, and then we kick off with the opening and with keynote speaker. Uh, the bishop will be saying Mass. We've got dozens of priests coming in for confessions. We've got three sessions of presentations, so it should be a really great time. The enrollment, last I heard, was over 900. Wow, uh, We're up about God. 200 over last year, so... Uh, 900 pre Yeah, That is yeah, awesome. And uh, so, but don't don't let that stop you. The, the, uh, we got plenty of capacity, and there's uh, opportunity for anybody who wants to, you know, walk in that day, Okay. So my, my wife always nudges me, Rob, stop procrastinating. So if you are a serial procrastinator like I am, this is perfect. So it's the day before, right? So yeah. you're, you, you've waited almost as long as you can. Are, are folks welcomed at the door if they don't pre-register? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. All right. So if you, want to, so if you want to procrastinate even till tomorrow morning. Until tomorrow morning, yeah. Just jump in the car and, and join us at the, at the men's conference. Yeah, it's at Bishop McDevitt High School, too. I forgot to mention that. Awesome. Thanks, Tom. So, Hannah, you want to lead us in the divine praises? Sure thing. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Blessed be God. Blessed, Blessed be, be his holy name. Blessed, Blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be his most sacred heart. Blessed be his most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. 
Blessed be the Holy Spirit, the Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary Most Holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be St. Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God and his angels and his saints. May the heart of Jesus and the most blessed sacrament be praised, adored, and loved with grateful affection at every moment in all the tabernacles of the world, even to the end of time. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you. So for those of you who get the warm feeling of adoration when you hear this, maybe that's God calling us all to uh, to go pay him a visit. Yeah. So take a look at the uh, the parishes in your area. Find out the times of adoration. What a great way to to show Jesus how much you love him, especially during this Lent. Right. Uh, so Tom, why don't you give us a uh, give us a little gospel love? Uh, gospels yes. from. From John, right? Yes, uh, John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, but early in the morning he arrived again in the temple area, and all the people started coming to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and made her stand in the middle. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law... Moses commanded us to stone such women. What do you say? They said this to test him so that they could have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and began to write on the ground with his finger. But when they continued asking him, he straightened up and said to them, Let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. And in response, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. So he was left alone with the woman before him. Then Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She replied, No one, sir. Then Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, do not sin any more. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And Tom, when you read that, I was just thinking of an experience I had last week. Uh, one of our ministries at Stewardship is called Chastity Project, and Jason Everett uh, is the, the flag bearer for that for that ministry. And he's just uh, he and his wife are just such gifts, where they speak to hundreds of thousands of teens on on the virtue of chastity and how to live how to live that out. So Jason was here last week, and I had, a, I had the, the honor and the pleasure of taking him last Friday to an all-boys high school, and then after that, an all-girls uh, all girls high school. And in his message, he said, I'm not here to point a finger of condemnation at any of you. So when you said that, neither do I condemn you. I'm thinking of, of Jason speaking to these young men and women, because so often we can feel like you know that finger of condemnation is being wagged at us, and, it, and, it's, and it's, a, it's a turnoff, but but through God's grace, he's uh, gifted Jason to really connect with the young men and women, uh, to call them to something greater, right? Jesus said, I don't, uh, I'm not here to condemn you, but go and sin no more, right? So he, he loves us enough to meet us where we are, but loves us too much to leave us where we are. You know, it was, it was beautiful. And we just had to pray for the, the young men and women all, all, over the, all over the world because they're just being assaulted with mess, messages that are just 180 degrees opposite of of the message of chastity and purity um so there's just a lot 
going on in their lives and uh, to have someone like Jason and, and Kristalina that just love these young men and women so much and they've dedicated their lives to, to writing books and, and giving assemblies and just being there for them to show them something better, right? To show them God's plan and how it leads to, uh, you know, to a more fruitful life. It was, it was beautiful. So I just pray in my life that, and that I don't, I don't get in the way at all with any type of condemnation or making them feel condemned, uh, but making them feel loved. I think one of the challenges too that uh, that we run into with Pope Francis is this whole idea of mercy. And um, the important thing, I think, too, and this last line here in the gospel, as we read it, um, really points us out, is that um, we are, we do need to not condemn people. We do need to show mercy to people. But Pope Francis has made it very clear, and this is this gets lost a lot in his message, that the reason why we invite people in, the reason why we don't condemn people, why, you know, who am I to judge, is precisely for the reason to build that relationship with them so we can invite them in. And uh, because the second part of this is just as important as sin no more. We don't offer mercy for the sake of allowing people to continue to live in their sin. We offer mercy so that we can embrace people, so that we can create a relationship with them, so that they'll come to understand over time that also go and sin no more is part of Jesus's message, too. So it's not just a matter of, I mean, we, you're right, Rob, we've lost, we've been so you know, focused over the years as a Catholic church in particular on the rules. And you're wrong, you know, this is the way it's supposed to be, this is what the church teaches, that we've lost the mercy. And I think Pope Francis brings that in. But as our culture is inclined to do, we go from one extreme to the other extreme is now we're getting this whole message of mercy being, don't worry about it. You know, if you're divorced and remarried and you haven't gotten an element, you can go to communion. You can do whatever you want. Everything's okay. That's not Pope Francis's message of mercy. And I don't think um, if you if you pay attention to what he says and you read beyond the headlines, you can see that very clearly. It is a challenge to us. It's nice to not condemn people and have people feel really good and warm and fuzzy about the fact that you're not condemning them. But the next side of that is we need to also say and sin no more. Now, if we say it in a way that alienates them, we just miss the whole the whole point of it. So how do we embrace people, not condemn them, and then say, you know, in a way that, you know, what Jesus says here, go and sin no more. I heard earlier in the week at a gospel reflection, somebody said, you know, every time I read this last line here, it reminds me of what I call, what he calls in his life, a never again moment. He envisions, you know, the woman caught in adultery is saying, whew, I got out of that one. I will never do this. You know, I've gotten. And that's the kind of, um, I think, conversion experience that Jesus called her to. Uh, and that was his perception of it. And I think that's what what we're called to do. But to the extent that we, you know, extend uh, mercy to people, but don't say the second part of that, we've we've missed the whole point of mercy. It's not mercy. It's just it's just a com, you know, a confirmation of the fact that they've sinned and go ahead and keep doing it. You know, and that's that's the point I think that we a, a lot of times we miss with Pope Francis. It, it's an either or. The mercy has both dimensions to it. It's not merciful to let people continue to persist in their sin because we don't want to say the hard part, which is and sin no more. But clearly that's what, you know, what our Savior is telling us here. So, And the, the kind of the word that jumped out at me was the word caught, caught in adultery. And I think kind of what you guys were saying, it's so easy to get caught in sin, to get like trapped by it. And sometimes maybe you don't even realize it. And um, 
you know, I, I think the last line, was, Jesus almost is, is like saying, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. Almost if you're saying, be careful, you know, like, don't get caught again, you know, yeah. be careful. That's sort of kind of what jumped out at me, but it, it's just so easy to fall into the trap of sin. One of the things that I always have a difficult time with is uh, with our Lenten practices, uh, exercises, is is the fasting part. <laughs> Not, you know, uh, I'm a big fan of food, and especially the food fast is is, uh, is a challenge. But then when you look at it, you know, why? why? Why does, you know, why does God call us to fasting and you know it's not because he wants us to be miserable and not have good food for 40 days uh, but we're we're training our soul muscles you know if we're we're training our soul muscles if we can show our body and say no to good stuff stuff that's not sinful but if we can say no to that and we can say no to that again and we and we can you know show our body that our cravings don't have control over us then when we're caught or prior to being caught, right, uh, when we're tempted, then we can say no. You know, we'll, we'll, we would have trained our soul muscles to uh, to say no. Um, so, And so like one of those, we might think of that as a rule that we were just talking about, but it's actually, like you said, a training method to help us, you know, not to get caught in sin. It's, it reminds us kind of, you know, where we are and everything. So, yeah, yeah it's important, that fasting. I had, uh, you know, recently uh, was involved with a webinar one evening that I I signed up for, and it was about discerning spirits. I thought it was really interesting because, you know, it sounds a little mystic, but in fact, what it was is the stages that we progress through our prayer life and, you know, what good influence and, you know, spiritual influence and what bad spiritual influences help us or hinder us in that process of going through. And the first stage is, you know, people who are in mortal sin and stuck in mortal sin. And I thought it was really interesting because um, the the uh, presenter gave perspective, well, the good spirit will disrupt you in that situation, but the evil spirit will try to keep you happy and satisfied when you're in mortal sin. So we get into this situation where, you know, we're kind of lulled into it, like you said, Tom. And then the the evil spirit just reinforces that, which keeps us kind of caught in the trap. So the experience that we have in that stage when we are kind of caught up in a sin, and it doesn't necessarily need to be a mortal sin. It could be a bad venial habit, you know, something we're just kind of stuck in and we we like to get out of, is the disruption. And so the the good spirit will disrupt us and make us uncomfortable, make us, you know, disturb us. Um, the the evil spirit will say, it's okay, it's fine, you just keep it. So that's, you know, when we're fasting, you think about those two dynamics, you know, those two spirits, that, and be discerning about that, because the evil spirit will say, food's a good thing, just keep eating it, you know, just, you know, or, or bring those things in front of us. But when we pull ourselves out of it, then the roles reverse, then the evil spirit becomes the disruptor, and the good spirit becomes the one that says, just stick with the fasting, just keep with it a little bit longer. So I thought it was interesting to kind of you brought that fasting up, Rob, and it just kind of triggered the thought because we are we do get caught in those things, but we can also get caught in a good spirit too. You know, we can get caught with a good influence and a good habit. So Hannah, did you underline anything when you were uh, reviewing? Well, the first thing I thought of when I read this is what was Jesus writing in the ground? <laughs> did anyone like take notice to that, or was he just I don't know wrote something very profound in the sand? We don't know. Um, but the second thing, Rob, you mentioned adoration. 
in the beginning of this, and I wrote, I underlined, so he was left alone with the woman before him. Mm. And it just calls me personally to want to go to adoration more and spend some alone time and get the message um, because after he was alone with her is when he told her, I don't condemn you. Go go now and you know don't sin anymore. And to me, that's when you get the most development in your relationship with God is when you're alone with him and you speak and listen and drown out, you know, the noise of society and all of the, the naysayers, if you will, um, who are telling you what you're doing is wrong and you should be, you should be stoned and you should be condemned and all of these things. And when you're alone with God and you get his real message, he, he really sends you a message of forgiveness and his mercy and his love. So that's what I got out of this. And now I need to go to adoration. And we should all join you in separate chapels. So we're still alone. Um, but that is awesome that you, that you pointed that out because all the guy, all the men are there ready to condemn her. But then it's that one-on-one encounter, right? That, that Jesus. And that, the, that one-on-one encounter, this also reminds me of like he bent down and wrote in the ground. And it's almost like, you know, sin like drives us down to the ground and he straightens up and he talks to them again. And then, uh, you know, he bends down and mm. writes again in the ground. And it almost, he's there with us in our sin, sin whatever sin we're struggling with with us right on the in the ground he's there with us and then he straightens up and kind of mm. you know shows us or pulls us out of it and i think there's even a psalm about that um i can't think of what it is right now I'm but sure there is yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, out, of, out of 150 it. i'm sure it, uh, <laughs> yeah. it hits on that somewhere but as you're as you're sharing that tom and, and then hannah about being alone i'm just picturing the scene in the passion of the christ all right that scene and then then you see the woman's hand reaching out to Jesus, right? So she's bruised. You know, they threw her down on the ground. She's bruised, and and she's just reaching out. So she, you know, she didn't say, "Oh, well, let me go home and get cleaned up first, and then I'll reach out to Jesus." You know, mm-hmm. in her, in her, you know, in her situation, <laughs> you know, yeah. fill in the blank, whatever your situation is. We don't need to feel like we have to be all perfect to reach out to Jesus, right? This woman reaches out in, in her situation, and uh, and Jesus is there to, to meet her where she is. So um, what, a, what a great call also to, uh, to the sacrament of reconciliation, that Jesus is there. He's there waiting for us. So bring it all, leave it all, and just uh, allow Jesus to, to do what he does best and do what he can't stop doing. That's pouring out his love. And, and his mercy towards us. Yeah, this uh, writing on the ground with his finger, uh, again, it had come up earlier in the week, but uh, and somebody had mentioned, and I've heard this before, and I'm sure a lot of people have, is that Jesus was actually tracing the sins of people out on the ground, and that as they saw their sins come up, they realized their guilt, and they, you know, silently snuck away and all that stuff. But I was at a retreat one time and had a priest kind of... Um, confound that a little bit because he he kind of pointed out something that I hadn't really realized before that's kind of embedded in here. And I think we know most of the pieces, but we never pull them together. And that is that these people weren't likely inclined to be easily shamed. I mean, these were people who were who drug a woman out of being caught in the act of adultery, threw her in the street and were getting ready to throw stones to the point where they would have bloodied her, beaten her and killed her. These are not people who are likely going to be turned away very easily by seeing, oh my gosh, he 
wrote that I, you know, I talked bad about my neighbor on the ground and therefore I'm shamed and walk away. And he said, really, this is the this is the conundrum, which makes it even more brilliant when you think about, you know, the the spirit of God working here. That Jesus put these people and they were going to test him. And here's what he came back with. He said. Anyone, those of you or anyone among you who is without sin, cast the first stone. So what happens if you throw a stone? You have in front of all these witnesses and people said, I have no sin. Well, that's blasphemy. And guess who would be the next person stoned right (laughs) after the woman was stoned would be you. You know, or anybody who threw a stone. So the thing is, she might get hit with one stone, but you're probably going down. You know, <laughs> and that's the reason why they walked away, not because they were embarrassed or they were kind of put in a difficult position or they, oh shucks, he caught us. You know, we don't have a leg to stand on here. I mean, this crowd, this you know, these Pharisees and scribes were the guys that ended up crucifying him. You know, in spite of the fact they didn't really have any evidence. So this isn't a group of people that would be easily shamed. But the fact of the matter is it just it just makes you appreciate all the more you know the the um the effectiveness and the brilliance of this response which is if you have no sin all right and if you say that you're basically putting yourself on par with god and really at the end of the day what did they crucify jesus for because he said he was god right I mean, that's a serious, serious offense in this word. And there's a really good uh, CD by Lighthouse Catholic Media called uh, Shame, Shameless, I think, by Jeff Cavins. And he talks about this very passage. And he says that in that uh, Jesus is not about shaming people. So this notion of him writing their sins down, he wouldn't do that because he doesn't. That's just not his nature to shame people. But he probably wrote down and he quoted, it was from Jeremiah, some quote about, um, I came, but you didn't listen. It's, it's a, if you read that quote, it makes perfect sense with this passage. And he said that they, he probably wrote that, um, something like, yeah. something like that yeah. down versus shaming those f- scribes. Like even Jesus, as much as, you know, he could have. That's he's. That's not his nature is to to shame people, and he wouldn't do that. And it probably wouldn't have worked anyway. Yeah, that's like you the said. Point that the, yeah. that the priest brought out to me was these aren't people that were easily shamed. You know, <laughs> pushed around, intimidated. You know. As you guys are sharing, I'm just thinking of um, of the scripture that you know that our our battles not with flesh and blood. It's not. It's it's a spiritual battle. So if on the physical realm, if someone was walking home and they get jumped and they get beat up and then they show up on your doorstep, someone that you know, would you like, would you be mad at them for getting beat up? No, you'd be like hugging them and, you know, consoling them and cleaning them up. So we have a bunch of people, you know, present company included for me, at least that, that we get beat up spiritually, right? We fall and we're bloodied and we're, and we're hurt. And, um, yeah, I just want to ask the Lord to fill my heart with compassion because, you know, when, when people fall to sin, it's, it's, a, it's a spiritual battle. You know, they, so they've been jumped, you know, they've been jumped and, and, you know, they're bloodied, you know, their souls bloodied. And, uh, I just want to be moved with compassion. Like the, like the father in last week's gospel, you know, said the father was filled with compassion when he saw his son. And he was so filled with compassion. What, what poured out of him was mercy and love, right? Um, so this woman was, you know, she was, she was jumped by, by the evil one and, you know, led her into this life. But she's a daughter of God. You know, she's, she's God's daughter that, 
uh, that needs compassion. So I just pray that um, that I can have a more compassionate heart. Yeah, when I think of people that um, that I you know that I get angry with or frustrated with, and even I mean I'm not to the point where I would you know, where I would attack them or shame them or do anything like that. But just we all get irritated with people in our lives. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're better or, or less able to, to deal with that or keep it internalized. But when you frame it that way, Rob, it really does change the whole perspective. When you look at somebody who's irritating you and, and say that, you know, or somebody who's d- done something that, you know, unintentionally offended you, you look at them and say, well, they're being beaten up, too. You know, I mean, I get beat up all the time and, f- and fall and get wounded by the by the evil one. But. But that's what's that's going on with all of us all the time, and we're always dealing with those kinds of problems in our life. You know, you hear people say every once in a while, "If you knew the problems that other people were dealing with, you'd be a lot more compassionate." We, we had a, a priest, a monsignor, who was at our parish. It used to say he never shared anything specific, but he said one of the most humbling things is to sit in confession for hours during Advent and Lent and listen to people's sins. He said, if you knew some of the things that people were dealing with, you'd be a lot more compassionate because we just don't hear those things. We just don't know what's going on in people's lives. And it's part of our culture not to, you know, not to dump our problems on everybody else, but yet we all have them, you know, and to realize that the guy across the table or the guy, you know, who just cut me off in traffic may have been distracted, may have been, maybe his wife just told him she's leaving this morning, you know, who knows what's going on in her life. And for us to be, as we should always be grateful to God for all that he gives us all the time, you know, St. Paul says, just live a life of gratitude. I mean, be grateful all the time. We should also be compassionate all the time to our brothers and sisters because we just don't know what they're dealing with. So what a what a call to action as we wrap up our time here to, uh, you know, to be compassionate, to be like that father last week, to be Jesus. You know, it's easy to compare ourselves to to those who are, you know, who aren't living it, but let's let's compare ourselves to Jesus, right? He gives us, he gives us the bar, you know. He gives us the bar of of compassion and joy and peace and love and mercy that we should be striving to to reach towards, um, and not just comparing ourselves to make ourselves feel good, right? Um, but this last line again: "Neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on, sin no more." Uh, is a call to action for out, throughout our lives. You know, this is Jesus didn't say, "Okay, you made your decision for me today. You're good to go for the rest of your life." No, it's it's not a once and done thing. Every day we have to recommit ourselves to Jesus, and through His grace, we could, um, you know, we can live a life for Him. But you know, let's not let's not take this as a, a one and done. And Jesus is commanding us. I don't condemn you, but go and from now on sin no more. Obviously, we're going to fall, but you know if we stop trying, then you know that's that's not good. So let's uh, pray for each other that we could um, that we can live a life where we're c- continually striving to uh, to follow in Jesus's footsteps. Continue on with your Lenten practices, everyone. Let's pray for each other, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you next time. God bless you. Bye. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups or call us at 
Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.